What's good, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Amatelica TIS podcast with your host, yours truly, Jai Shields, here on this weekend of Friday, October the 29th, the year 2021. We got lots to do, lots to talk about here on this weekend program. Get into uh, the World Series as uh, Game 3 uh, will uh, take place on Friday night down there in the uh, great city of Atlanta, Georgia at uh, Truist Park as the Braves and the Astros are uh, tied up at one game apiece as the Astros took care of business of evening up the series on Wednesday night. Give you my two cents uh, as far as the Stan Kroenke scenario is concerned about him, you know, trying to avoid the lawsuits of the uh, of paying the city of uh, St. Louis. We'll get into that. Give you my couple two cents on Dan Snyder and this whole debacle with the NFL, which is just not had a great week as far as I'm concerned. Recap the uh, Packers and Cardinals thrilling game on Thursday Night Football the other night. And, of course, give a preview week eight in the National Football League, including uh, your week eight picks against the spread. But where we begin this program is uh, with the Houston Astros taking care of business on Wednesday night, beating the Atlanta Braves by the final score of 7-2, tying up the series at a game apiece as the first two uh, games of this series uh, that took place in the city of Houston, Texas, are now in the books. The Astros just did an absolutely phenomenal job. You know, the Atlanta Braves, who all postseason long have played, you know, a clean postseason, limit them, you know, limit the mistakes, limit the errors, limit the pass balls, limit the wild pitches. They really were just fumbling and kicking the ball all over the field the other night as uh, as they committed two as they committed two errors in their seven to two loss last night. Uh, and none bigger than of course in that top of the or excuse me, in that bottom of the uh, sec in that bottom of the second inning uh, where uh, you had errors and you had the ball kicking all over the place in that bottom of the second inning, which allowed the Astros to take a four four to one and eventually five to one lead in the bottom of the second inning. Um, you had Jose Altuve, who, had, like I said on Wednesday, if the Astros want to uh, wake up and salvage this series and want to have any hope and any chance of you know trying to make a uh, you know win these next four games and win a championship, they needed. I said they needed Altuve. Bregman and Carlos Correa to show up to show up and perform. Bregman did not win 0 for 3, but Correa and Altuve showed up and it couldn't have came at a better time. Altuve went 2 for 5, hit a home run in the game. Carlos Correa went one Carlos Correa went 1 for 4 in the game. They uh they had a nice contribution. Altuve had a double in the first inning off of Max Fried. Um, and then of course you had uh, Altuve with the home run uh, later on later on in the ball game. They went, the Astros went three for twelve with, with runners in scoring position, only stranded six. Uh, Tucker and Gurriel uh, made a nice contribution on the base pass. You had your equity had a had a very nice performance. Went five innings, gave up six hits. Two runs uh, two runs that were earned. Struck out seven. He did an absolutely phenomenal job. Um, their starting pitcher for the Houston, and of course the back, and of course their bullpen. You know, outside of Javier giving up one lousy uh, hit in his uh, inning and a third of relief, their the uh, Houston Astros bullpen was absolutely uh, immaculate. Did not did not give up a single run. Gave up one hit, of course, to Javier, who came in in relief of your equity, and uh, and combined their bullpen struck out uh, struck out five guys. Did not walk a and only walked uh, two. Back 
batter. So an absolutely phenomenal job by Houston, bouncing back, fighting back. You figured, especially from an Atlanta perspective, that this series was not going to be a, uh, you know, a four, a four, a short four or five game series, and that's it. But you did figure that Houston was eventually, whether it had been game two or game three, down two nothing. You figure that Houston, you know, who's who's an incredibly tough baseball team, they've gotten off the deck and have find a way to scratch and claw their way to victory and to you know they're fantastic, especially on the road and postseason. They 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 just they just a gutty gritty baseball team. And a hell of a job by them, hell of a job by Otube getting off the deck. They needed that outing from, uh, what I pronounce, your equity in the worst way imaginable. And their bullpen did a solid, and then their bullpen did a solid job as now we are essentially, you know, bet, it's best of, it's best of five. First, first to win three, you know, wins the championship. And, uh, and the Atlanta Braves have home field advantage. So, you know, very interesting uh, series. You know, it's just getting it's just getting started. Just getting started. We're just getting into you know. Now we're in the meat and potatoes of this series. Granted, he had two lousy games. Game one was a complete bore, lasted over four hours. Uh, you know, where the uh, run differential was four runs, and of course in game two on Wednesday night it was just it was a little over three hours. I believe it was three hours, three hours and eleven minutes. And uh, and the differential between the run differential between the uh, Houston seven and the Braves two was five. So we haven't we, you know the series still has a lot left to be desired. You'd figure that it would go at at the minimum it would go uh, at the minimum it would go uh, between five and six. Many anticipate a seven game series, which would not surprise me. Um, you know the Braves. You know no Charlie Morton, which is a, a tremendous blow for the uh, Braves. With uh, a tremendous blow for the Braves, they won't have him for the rest of the series. And the Braves heading into the series had the starting pitching advantage. We'll see if that changes with uh, no with no Charlie Morton. And essentially, you know the Braves who have been flying high and have not really been a complete, you know, have not had a dull. Uh, complete dud of a postseason performance and a, and a game as a whole since uh, I believe that was game f not four I believe it was game five against the Do against the Dodgers last week where uh, no not what no not uh, that was game four game five yeah exactly game five on uh, Thursday the twenty first they have not had a bad and just a performance where they were just lifeless could barely hit. You know, and they just they they just were dominated right from the opening pitch, and they haven't played like that since Game Five when they got smacked by the Dodgers at Dodger Stadium, uh, eleven to two the other night. But they've done a phenomenal. But they've you know a lot to be desired with this series. Two, you know, Dodgers the, the Dodgers the Braves can pitch. They get you know Eddie Rosario, Ozzy Albies. Uh, uh, Freddie Freeman. You know this team ain't in the World Series just by happenstance. They got grit. They got toughness. They got guts. And and, and their timely hitting is impeccable. And then of course on the and then of course on the Astros side, you know they got one of the guttiest, mentally toughest ball clubs I've ever seen in all of my years of watching baseball. I understand the cheating thing is deplorable, this that and the other, but you gotta give them. 
credit where credit is due is that they're just a tremendous, tremendous, mentally tough baseball team. You got to Al Altuve, as much as, I mean, I could punt Altuve, he's so freaking small. And the fact that he's that small and that good of a baseball player pisses me off. You know, the five, five foot four, five foot five bastard that can hit the ball, you know, over 400 feet over the fence. But hey, he. All that being said, he's still a he's still a tremendous baseball player. Um, as we uh, as game three uh, will take place on Friday night, you get uh, Garcia going for the Astros. Excuse, yeah, Garcia going for the Astros and Anderson going for the uh, going for the Atlanta Braves. Series tied at one game apiece. Game three of the World Series. Uh, you know, again, first two games very dull, very lackluster, very boring, very. Uh, mundane, very uh, just. It was, it was like it's like sitting through a, it was like sitting through a game, sitting through a marathon that never end that never ends. You know, we have not had a great game in this series yet, and the uh, ratings, which has been barely over ten, which has been a little over ten million, I have showcased that. So hopefully, get a we get a good game three on Friday night, good game four on Saturday night, good game five. Uh, on Sunday, and who knows? Maybe Game Five that might be an elimination game. You know, if the Astros or the uh, or the uh, Braves run the table in Atlanta this weekend, you know, your your world come Monday, your baseball come November the first, your baseball season will be over, or for 2021, and God knows how long with this labor dispute between the union and uh, the owners but you know we get nice world series decent world series at least i mean at least at least you know it, it's not at least what would be a complete nightmare is if the astros or the braves were up two games to none and the games would be complete bores if if the games were complete bores and uh, and and one or either team had a two games to nothing advantage, you might as well say, all right, World Series is over on Saturday. You know, we'll see you whenever we'll see you. You know, we'll see you. Hopefully, knock on wood, spring twenty twenty two. But the games have been boring. The games have been duds. But on the bright side, at least the series is tied up at one game apiece. Best of five in Atlanta. First to win three, your World Series champions. And the goal, if you're Dusty, and the goal if you're Dusty Baker is this: it may be a little touch. It look maybe a little tough to ask. Uh, it may be a little tough to ask, and it might be a hard ask uh, to, for to uh, go out there and ask. The uh, Atlanta to go out there and ask your ball club to win three straight games. I mean, granted they historically are a phenomenal road team, but it might be uh, a little uh, unrealistic to ask your team, "Hey, go out there and sweep three in Atlanta this weekend, so we're World Series champions and our season is over by Monday." Uh, you know, considering the fact that the uh, you know, considering the fact that at home the Braves, you know, who took care, of it, who won, who won their game three uh, against uh, Milwaukee in the NLDS, who took care of business in game four, winning five, winning five to four, um, and then of course, and then won the first two games of the of the uh, NLDS against the Dodgers, and then turned around on Saturday the twenty third in game six. And won for one uh, forty-two against against the Dodgers. So you go back and you look. You know, in this po in this postseason, the Do the Atlanta Braves are undefeated at home. They won they won their home games against against the Brewers in the first round. They won the first they won the first two games 
they won the first two games of the series down in Atlanta via walk-offs in the NLCS, and then Game Six was in uh, was in uh, Truist Park, and they won that game there. So if you're Dusty Baker, it might be a tough ask, and it might be asking a little much to say, "Hey, go out there and uh, essentially, you know, like you know, like it's regular season style, go out there and sweep a three-game weekend series in Atl- in Atlanta on the road." You know, when this team has when this team hasn't lost a postseason game at home yet. But if you're Dusty Baker, you tell your guys, hey, you know, if we if we sweep the three, fantastic. If we win the World Series down in Atlanta, great. I won't I won't complain. But if but to be a little realistic, get this series, win two out of three here, and get this series back to uh, back to Houston for Game Six on Tuesday night. Dusty Baker, that's what you tell your team. Get this series again. Sweep all three. He'll he'll gladly take it. And every single Astro player, executive, and fan, if they win the World Series on Sunday night rather than Tuesday night, they won't scream. I they, I know they'd like to to have the chance to watch your team win the World Series at home, but you but winning a World Series is winning a World Series, especially two in the last what four or five years or so. But you dusty. Tell you guys, get two out of three here. No pressure. Get two out of three here. So we so we're heading. So we're back on a plane for Game Six on Tuesday night. And if you're the Braves, your your goal is is making sure Dusty and the Astros and yourselves don't get on a plane for Game Six. You've been undefeated, kicking ass and taking names at home all throughout this, uh, all throughout the, your playoff run against the Brewers, the Dodgers, and now you're going up against the Astros. You've been kicking ass and taking names all postseason long at home. Braves' goal is to make sure that they don't hop on another plane to go play a game until April of 2022. Go out there and win these next three games at home. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Astros goal, make sure that Snitker and the boys, uh, Ozzy Albies, Freddie Freeman, and the fellas are hopping back on a plane heading to Houston for game six on Tuesday. Braves, your goal is to make sure that you win that World Series at home. There you have it. Just getting started. Nice to have you with us. The Amatelica TIS podcast will continue in a moment. Welcome back 
to the Amatelica TIS podcast. Switching gears now to the National Football League. And boy, did they have a rough week this week. Um, as far as owner conduct, and it's just a, it was a horrendous week for the National Football League owners. Let's begin first with uh, Stan Kroenke, uh, that, that uh, piece of filth, that, 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 that garbage garbage human being. I don't care what Mike Neosi says. Well, he brought the Rams back to Los Angeles. Yeah, at what, at what point and what cost, Mike? This guy is, is not exactly a uh, he's, he's not a candidate for the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Uh, so Stan Kroenke when he had a deal done with the city of St. Louis to get to build a new stadium that the city municipality was going to pay for. He essentially backstabbed the city of St. Louis to move his team to, from St. Louis to back to to move the Rams from St. Louis back to Los Angeles, and it came at the cost of a bunch of legal fees and lawsuits and everything else that he had to pay for and had to pay up if he wanted to move his team to Los Angeles. Um, and it, it came out through and it came out through a league spokesperson on Wednesday that Stan Cron- that Stan Kroenke essentially wants the wants the other uh, thirty NFL owners to pay for his to pay for his lawsuits on the Saint on the St. Louis move. And and uh, and there are owners that were left anonymous that are not uh, they're not uh, in love with that and rightful and rightfully so. Um, now here's my two cents on it. If you're Stan Kroenke, who and again he had a deal done with the city of St. Louis for the new stadium. He had a deal done, and the fact that he broke that agreement. Backstabbed St. Louis and moved the team back to Los Angeles. For one, it's despicable. It's conniving. It's mischievous. It's deviant behavior. It's a deviant, dishonest, dis- no, I wouldn't say disgusting, but despicable, egregious thing to do. That's the first thing. Second thing, if you have a deal done and the city of St. Louis who rightfully so, rightfully so should have a bug up your hind parts, a bug up their hind parts with Stan Kroenke about it, and wants to take him to court and 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 and, and wants a little bit of financial reimbursement or or a little financial consolation prize for him moving moving the team. They have every right to do so, every right, and for Stan Kroenke, who who took it upon himself to move the team for him relying on the other 30 owners to pay essentially the his legal fees and and the legal expenses of him moving the team is an is is a joke and is an utter disgrace and i don't want to hear well, well, I mean, huh, they're billionaires, you, you know, they, they can afford it. I mean, what does it matter to, you know, what does it matter to Jerry Jones? What does it matter to John Merritt? What does it matter to Robert Kraft? You're missing the point. I understand, yes, they are, they are billionaires. 
I understand that they're wealthy individuals. I get that. But that's not the point. The point isn't about how much money the owners make and that the NFL owners are worth. It's about principle. You don't get to make an agreement for a new stadium with a city. Have, agree on the agreement, and then behind closed doors say you know what you know screw them i'm gonna you know i'm gonna do what i want i'm gonna move the team i'm gonna move the team to los angeles real life in the real world doesn't work that way that's not how you conduct the business that's not how you treat people and again just because that there were owners that were for him moving to los angeles doesn't mean that they put a gun to Cronkey's head and say, you better move this franchise or we're, or we're going to spill the beans on you. Didn't happen. It didn't go down like that. Just because there were owners in favor of Cronkey moving the team, because all they care about is money anyway, but just because there were owners in favor of moving the team doesn't mean that they necessarily made Cronkey move the team. Because it wasn't like the, the, the other NFL owners were losing money hand over fist and were going broke because the team was in the city of St. Louis. The owners and the NFL were doing quite well financially back, in, back what, uh, five, six years ago of two, uh, in the years of 2015, 2016, that time period where Kroenke was in limbo of, of, of uh, keeping a team in St. Louis or not. The NFL was still doing fine. Their ratings were through the roof. Everybody was watching their Sunday night football games, their 425 uh, showcase games on Fox and on CBS. People were tuning in on Thanksgiving. People were tuning in to watch Monday night football. People were tuning in uh, in droves to watch their playoff games and to watch the Super Bowl. People, the stadiums were again pre-COVID, mind you, and and pre the uh, the you know the mess with the national anthem protests and everything else. People were showing up to the stadiums in droves. People were, were, were buying the PSOs, the season tickets, tailgating. People were buying Madden NFL, buying jerseys, buying memorabilia, watching NFL Red Zone, uh, cable subscriptions with the NFL Network involved, the NFL mobile app with Verizon, which at the time you could only get and you can only watch the games on the NFL mobile app if you add Verizon Wireless as your uh, cell phone per- service provider. People were, were buying the NFL Sunday. T- so it wasn't like that the, that the NFL owners were sitting there going, you know, if he doesn't move this team to Los Angeles, you know, we, after a while we're going to, you know, after a while we're going to have to sell the team because we're losing money hand over fist. Didn't go down like that. Just because they were in favor of him moving the team doesn't mean that they made him move the team. Because the NFL was not was not losing money in droves because the because the Ram franchise was in St. Louis instead of in the city of Los Angeles, and it is very arrogant and very pres- and, and 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 Stan Kroenke takes a very pres- pres- presumptuous mindset, wanting his billionaire buddies in essence his billionaire co-workers in essence his billionaire constituents in essence to pay and to clean up a mess he created 
That's not right. That's not fair. That's presumptuous. That's arrogant. That is that's ignorant as hell. And it's just not the right thing to do. Stan, you wanted to move the Rams to Los Angeles and move them out of St. Louis. The NFL owners did not know. And how Cronky and where Cronky wants his team to play and what Cronky wants to do with his football team, that's not the business of the of the other owners. Okay? John Mara cares about the New York football giants and the New York tri-state area market in regards to his football team. What the hell does he care about about the St. Louis slash Los Angeles Rams? What does he care? What does he care? About about where about where Cronky moves the team. What does he care? He, all he cares about is making sure it, 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 it's his Giants ball club and his own little corner of of his football ownership world that is running the New York Giants. Steve Bishotti, same story. What does he care about the Rams? All he cares about is, is, is his little corner of the world with the Baltimore Ravens. And, and, he, and you can go on. You, same same goes for at the time the late Paul Allen, God rest his soul. What you know? What does he care about? Uh, I, maybe they play in. Maybe he cares a little bit because the Rams is playing his team same division. He has to factor in. You know, the, the, the flying from Seattle to St. Louis versus Seattle, L.A. But in the big picture, what does he care about? What Cronky does with his franchise and how he runs his team? All he cares about is his little corner. Or, or well, he did. You know, back you know twenty. 15, you know, he was still owner running the franchise. He was alive, but you know, all he cared about at that point in time was his own little corner of 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 the world running the Seahawks with and making sure things were together with them up in the Pacific Northwest. So why does so why does 30 NFL owners have to clean up Cronky's mess? Nobody asked or nobody held a gun to Cronky's head forcing him to move the franchise to Los Angeles. That's something that he took upon himself that he wanted to do. Not the other owners. I'm there were not were there other owners that that agreed with his decision, that were in favor of his decision? Yes. But it wasn't their idea. And they for the most part, really don't have nothing to do with it because because they don't own and they don't run the L.A. Rams. They own and run the franchises that 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 their name is on that their name is on the deed for. So it's despicable, and presumptuous, and arrogant. This is why I can't take and listen to Mike in Orange County and wax poetic about Stan Kroenke as if as if he's uh, as if he's uh you know, as if he's Walter Cronkite. I mean come on. Not not a good guy. What guy sits up here, has a deal done with the city and then turns around and says, hey, you know what, I'm going to move the team anyway, despite the fact that I have a deal with the city. And oh, by the way, because I'm going to face financial and legal pressure from the municipality of the city of St. Louis. Oh, by the way, hey, my, hey, my other uh, uh, filthy, wealthy billionaire buddies. How about you? You know, how about I, 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 I put, I put my crap and put my foolishness onto you, and you guys, and you guys, and we'll all collectively take care of this situation together. How, how would you like that? You get, you got your own issues running your own franchise, and and if you have money issues, you have your, you got your own problems. 
and all of a sudden your friend your friend or your constituent at work comes along and and, and, and plops their crap, their foolishness that they themselves got themselves into on their own that was that that they they did it they put themselves in a situation voluntarily. They weren't forced to do it. They chose that path voluntarily. Actions have consequences, guys. How'd you like it? And then they, and then and then they plop and then they plop their foolishness, their filth, their bull jive in your lap, and and expect and expect and expect you to and expect you to put up with it, and and, and if it's anything financial, expect you to, to to take money out of your own pocket to to uh, to get them out of to get them out of the hole that they dug themselves in. How, how would you like it? That's a joke. Pay your own damn uh, legal fees and your legal expenses, Cronky. Don't force that crap on John Mara, Robert Kraft, uh, uh, Jerry. Don't force it on anybody. You are the one that wanted to move the team to to, uh, to Los Angeles when you had a deal done with the city of St. Louis. Nobody forced you. Nobody had a gun to your head and say, you better move the franchise to Los Angeles or it's off with your head. You voluntarily chose to do that. Actions have consequences, pal. And even even for billionaires. Actions have consequences. You chose you chose what you wanted to do. Now you gotta sit up there and deal with the consequences. You reap what you sow. You heard the tune, you gotta pay the piper. You made you made your bed, now you gotta lay in it. Why should it be the other thirty owners' uh, problem and, and be the other thirty owners' predicament having to having to pay for something that having to pay or 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 financially deal with a problem that you yourself voluntarily created? Pay your own damn bills. Stan Cronky, what a fraud! Anyway. That's item number two. That's item number one. Item number two. How about Dan Snyder and, and this whole foolishness with Washington and Roger Goodell having the having the nerve, the temerity, the the gall, the chutzpah to sit up here and say, among other things, earlier this week that the Washington that the investigation into the Washington Redskins slash football team that Dan Snyder has been quote held accountable. Are you kidding me? Raj, 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 Raj. Are you are, are are you serious right now? You said that with a straight face. He's already been held accountable. Really? What? What 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 drugs, Roger, are you doing? What crack, what weed have you been smoking? You have got to be a special type of idiot to think in your right mind that Dan Snyder and the people that run that Washington franchise have been held accountable to the degree that warrants their actions that they committed all these years in the making. He's been held accountable. 
Really? Really? I mean, can Roger Goodell, for once, once in his life, in his life, can he for once have the manhood, the gumption, the cojones, the balls, the humanity to stand up, put his big boy pants on, put agendas and feelings and all this other gooberish nonsense to the side and can he for once for the love of God take a stand call out the owners that he works for being the bag man that he is for these owners sit up there and have the responsibility and the humanity to call a spade a spade and get Dan Snyder the hell out of Washington can he for once have the have just just the courage the courage to stand up take a stand put your foot down stand up for something and kick Dan Snyder's hind parts out out of the constituency that is the 31 NFL owners can he for once in his life once in his tenure as NFL commissioner, stand up to these filthy, disgusting, despicable, conniving, deviant, piece of filth billionaires that make up the NFL owner's constituency. Because you can sit up here and give us the it takes all of us crap, the end racism garbage, the football is 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 gay, bi, queer, heterosexual, transgender ads to the cows come home. You can give us the you can give us the inspired. You can give me all of that until the cows come home. It doesn't. You can change the name from the Washington Redskins to the Washington football team to the Washington Generals, the Washington Red Tails, the Washington Hogs, the Washington Fighters, the Washington Washingtons, the Washington Emo. You could do all of that, and it means absolutely nothing. Nothing. If you are still stuck on stupid when it comes to having your league, having your league's team owners owned and ran by a bunch of old slash middle-aged, misogynistic, xenophobic, racist, sexist pieces of white pieces of filth. You can have it all. Have it all means nothing. Means nothing. All it is is lip service. Lip service and trying to be politically correct. G you Give me all of that. One ear out the other. All it is. You, you, can, you can give me that and give America that until the freaking cows come home. 
until Goodell or somebody within the league office or within that owner's constituency stands up and has the and has the courage and has the balls to call out this foolishness and kick Dan Snyder's high parts out. All the all that extra stuff, you can save it for the birds. You can save it for the birds because it means nothing and it's utter lip service. You want to prove Goodell? You want to prove your league? You want more women to be a fan of your sport? You 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 know with the with the female referees and 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 and, and women broadcasting the games and women on the sidelines as coaches and 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 and, and, tra- and trainers and and holding executive uh, executive positions and team front offices and everything. You know what you do? You kick out you kick out Dan Snyder. That's what you do. Man who's sitting up here misogynistic, sexist behavior, pimping out his cheerleaders at some godforsaken resort in the Caribbean. Get Dan Snyder out. You 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 you're, you're that serious. You really want to send a message? Kick him the hell out of the sport. It's enough of this foolishness. You want to send a message? Get him out and kick him out and get him out for good. You don't you don't you don't cover his behind. You don't cover you don't you 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 you, you don't you don't cut your nose off this you don't cut your nose off by sending by throwing Gruden to the wolves to spite your face. You don't do that. Oh, he's been held accountable, my ass. Oh, come on, Roger. Come off of it. You re- if you're really serious, you really want to send a message. Kick Dan Snyder out of the National Football League. Do it today. Do it this weekend. Do it before the season's out. Have the guts. Have the courage to stand up, put your foot down, take a stand, and put an end to this foolishness. Instead of placating owners and pandering to them and kissing their ass so you make sure that you're still employed for the next five years. Making hundreds of millions of dollars a year. It's ridiculous. Release the emails. Let, 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 let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see how these guys really act and how these guys really behave behind closed doors. Let's see it. Let's see it. Let's go. Let's see it. All the emails, not just Gruden's, all of them. Not 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 just Bruce Allen's, not just John Gruden's, all of them. All of them. Let let me see them. Let me see them. Let me, let me see Dan Snyder's emails. Let me see Jerry Jones. I'm pretty sure he's got some very questionable qualities. I say all the time, if Donald Trump was an NFL owner, he'd be, he'd be Jerry Jones. Let me see Jerry Jones. Let's go. Jerry's. Let's see him. Let's see him. God knows what he's probably saying about, about his about his chilies behind closed doors. Creepy-ass 80-year-old man. Let's see him. Crocky. Let's see him. Dean Spano. Sam. Let's go. Snyder. You. Let's go. You you and Bruce Allen, the culture is, is, is pretty damn good. Let's see the emails. Let's go. Let's go. Woody Johnson, you. Let, let's see. Let's see the emails. Let's see him. Let's see him. Let's see him. Let's go. Come on. What, what, what are you waiting for? Let's let's see the emails. Let us see the emails. Let's see him. Jimmy Aslam, you. Let's see. Emails. Let's go. Let's see him. 
What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? You give us all of that smoke in there so the cows come home. I don't want to see actions speak louder than words. I don't, I'm not what what you not what you say. It's what you do. What are your actions? What are your actions behind your words? Your actions behind the messages. Talk is cheap. Let's see some action. Let's see it. Let's see it. This is part of the reason why. This is part of the reason why. Why part of me couldn't take that Washington football name change seriously? We'll dump the Redskins. It's so heinous. Yet, yet we have a. Yet we have a piece of filth still running the damn football team. What does it matter what the team what the team name is? If if the guy in charge of the franchise is still the same and still in power, who cares what the name of the football team is? They can be called the Washington niggas for all I care. What does it matter? Yeah, it's nice because you know you placate to the sponsors, and it's quote unquote politically correct, and you're not using a you know a a, a harsh slur for Native Americans. But still, what really have you accomplished if Dan Snyder is still the owner of the franchise? Come on, let's 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 let's, let's think and dig deeper and critical think here for a minute. What really has changed? What because they have a black vice, a black president for the franchise? What they have a woman as as their, as their director of of media communications? So what? Who cares? He's still the owner. Get him out. He's been held accountable. Wake up, Raj. Get your head out of the sand, Rogers. Roger. And put it into the stuff. Get him out now. He's he he he's been held accountable enough. I'll kiss my ass, my guns gracious. Get him out! Back after this. Welcome back to the I'm Telling TIS podcast. Switching gears now to the Packers and Cardinals game that was on Thursday Night Football the other night as the Packers dethroned what was the only and the sole remaining undefeated team in the NFL uh, by taking care of the Cardinals 24 21 on Thursday night. Uh, the game ended, uh, the game ended because the game ended via a uh, a uh, to make sure I get it, pronounce his name uh, correctly. Uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Douglas, I gotta see if I can get his name, uh, so I can get his name for you here on my sheet. Um, 
game-winning interception by Rasul Douglas, who the Packers had signed off of his uh, signed off of their uh, practice squad not too long ago. He finishes the game with nine tackles, uh, with nine tackles in the game, sealing interception, uh, which uh, was thrown by Kyler Murray inside the red zone, all because. Uh, eight, I mean, Kyler Murray said it was miscommunication. It was something because, you know, he throws the ball to A.J. Green, and either A.J. Green was either, I heard Michael Irvin say during the uh, during the post game on Thursday night that, you know, maybe he was looking to see where Murray was and seeing where the defender was by, you know, playing the receiver off of looking at the scoreboard. I heard that. I heard you know, maybe he was maybe he was uh, maybe he was expecting a run play, and uh, it was just miscommunication. He didn't understand the he you know it's it is AJ Green's first year with the Cardinals, first year in that new offense after spending what about a dozen, about ten years with the Bengals. But you know maybe the miscommunication. Him and Kyler Murray thought he he thought it was a run play where it wasn't. You know he screwed up his assignment. You know he didn't he didn't show enough gumption and didn't come out of his break and didn't kind of. You know, make contact with with the uh, with the corner as quick as he should have. I know. again, like I like I told you, I heard the Michael Ir- Michael Irvin's theory that he was looking up at the uh, you know looking up playing. You know, he got off. You know, the ball was snapped and he kind of was looking up at the scoreboard while playing the receiver, and it kind of threw off the t- timing. Whatever it was, it was a bad job by AJ Green. You know, in in that sort of in that situation, you got no timeouts left. You know, a touchdown wins a game. You got to make sure that uh, whatever you do, that Murray can't doesn't get sacked and he doesn't throw an interception. So if you don't get the touchdown, you still give yourself an opportunity to kick the field goal. Um, and, uh, and for whatever the reason, AJ Green, you know, either miscommunication or he screwed up the play or or uh, or he had a or, or he had a complete brain fart for lack of a better phrase and and then the ball gets intercepted by Douglas and the Packers win the game. And hold on to victory 24-21. And this is coming after uh, where the uh, Packers had an opportunity to put the game away. And the Cardinals and the, Car- and the Cardinals defense did a phenomenal job uh, keeping, uh, keeping uh, the game within, within, a, within one single score. Keeping, uh, the Packers, uh, keeping the Packers only up three instead of uh, nine or ten. As they gave Kyler Murray and company a chance to march down the field, but it all went for naught with the uh, Kyler Murray interception. The Cardinals did have a phenomenal drive at the end of the game. I mean, boy, I mean the Packers defense. I mean, I guess it's a little better than what it was last year, but that ain't saying much. I mean, the '62 Packers—they are not because they let Kyler Murray. I mean, there were many instances throughout the sequence of that game. I mean, AJ Green. Uh, I mean, they had they had the Cardinals had many of receivers. I mean, I'm sitting here watching. I'm like, how how are these guys getting that wide open? And in, in the you know when you got a, when you got less than a minute or so in the game, you know Cardinals need all the Cardinals need to do is just get in the field goal range to tie the game up, and they get a and they score a touchdown. They take they take the lead. I mean, I understand you guys have Aaron Rodgers on the sidelines, but play a little defense, please. My goodness gracious, the Car- I mean the Cardinals were so wide open as they were marching down the field during that drive. They I think they marched down the field about ninety something. Well, let me go back and see. Where they uh, where they uh, where where they uh, where they uh, started the possession? They started that possession. Uh, they started that possession from the from their own one yard line. 
So they mar- they marched down the field about 80, 85 to ninety something yards down the field without without an issue. Their receivers were so wide open throughout that final. I'm looking. I'm like, why in the hell this this soft zone? Get after Murray and play man. My, you all do realize field goal ties game touchdown again. I understand that they have Aaron Rodgers, but. That's still no excuse because their defense during that last drive was a sieve prior to that Douglas interception. was awful throughout that final drive. Allowing Kyler Murray and the Cardinals, which had a which had a very pedestrian day at the office, to say the least, to allow them to march down the field from their own one yard line all the way to inside green all the way inside the red zone. I mean, that, that's not championship football, but you live with it because Douglas made the interception and the fact that uh, and the fact that the Packers, you know, uh, lo- you know the, the difference making the game was the fact that the Packers outscored Arizona in the second quarter 10 to nothing and went into halftime with a 10 to 7 lead. But still, I mean, their defense throughout that final drive, outside of the interception, I understand the interception is all that, and I understand that the interception is all that really matters because it was the final coup de gras. Uh, and and uh, and and uh, certified the Packers' victory, but that was not. But that prior to that Douglas INT, that was that's championship football teams don't allow their opponents. You know, with uh, with uh, you know, do not allow their opponents with uh, you know in the latter parts of the fourth quarter to march to march down the field from their own one yard line and have an opportunity to put together a game tying if not game winning drive to uh, to win a football game i mean that you you can't have that in championship foot championship foot that championship football that was not on the part of the green bay packers defense throughout that final drive but Aaron Rodgers, 22 for 37, did not have a fantastic night throwing the ball. But hey, he won the game. He'll take it. And they did do a phenomenal. They did a phenomenal job running the ball. AJ Dillon, Aaron Jones did a phenomenal job splitting the carries. Uh, 31 combined carries for about what 78 plus the 78 plus the 59. Do a little quick math in your head. Um, combined for 137 rushing yards and a touchdown, that belonging to Aaron Jones. Had a solid night running the football. Uh, then, of course, how about Aaron Rodgers? Uh, you know, telling Gunakis and the uh, and the Packers higher up to say, "Hey, go out there and go get my ex-partner in crime, Randall Cobb." He did not light up. Uh, he did not light up the uh, stat sheet, but hey. Catching two touchdown, two touchdown receptions or two touchdown receptions, nevertheless, and still, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Randall Cobb, watch out if you have to go up against them on a weekend, week out basis. And again, Aaron Rodgers did this, you know, without Tunyon Torzeski, he's out for the rest of the season. Did this with no Alan Lazard. Did this without no Devontae Adams, and they still went out there and got the job done and, and did what it took. To uh and it did and did what it took to win games. You saw that there was like a lot of miscommunication, a lot of you know they they had to take a, a boatload of timeouts throughout the game because they couldn't get to because they either weren't set at the line of scrimmage prior to the expiration of the play clock. You know they you know the signals weren't right. The you know they didn't a lot of guys didn't know what routes to run and so on and so forth. So you know they there were moments where they were very sloppy in the game and they were not. You know, offensively they were not uh, clicking on all cylinders, but but still, I mean, when you Aaron Rodgers, you know, the MVP, bad man that he is, you you you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay regardless. But a phenomenal job by Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, and of course on the flip side with Arizona, 
you know, I, I wanted more. You know, Kyler Murray did not throw a touchdown pass in the game, did not, you know, was neutralized running the football, only six carries for 21 yards, got sacked twice, not a, not a uh, day to break. They did not run the football well under any circumstances. Edmonds and Connor were old in check. And DeAndre Hopkins uh, barely played with a bad hamstring. A.J. Green made his little contribution, but again, the foul up at the end is what everybody's going to remember. A very pedestrian, and that's putting it lightly, a very pedestrian day at the office for the Arizona Cardinals, who heading into this game, I expected more. I expected more for them to put up 21 points. I understand the Packers' defense has improved, but you know, from Kyler Murray outside of that final drive, but the interception you know, negates that. But I I expected more from them, and they just you know one one good enough. They fell three points short. The Cardinals are seven and one. They lose their first game of the season and first home game of the season. Both teams are seven and one on the air. Packers now hold the tiebreaker over the Cardinals for best record in the in the uh, National Football Conference. As uh, both of these teams have a uh, have a good little bit of time off, the Packers next week for the sake of conversation. See who the Packers play. The Packers uh, have a uh, the Packers play the Kansas City Chiefs in Kansas City on November on November the seventh. So they have about 10, 10 days off or so to get ready for Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Meanwhile, the Arizona Cardinals in that NFC West, as it provides, as uh, you know, if you're a Ram fan, it took a sigh of relief. It's like, oh boy, you know, now now our chances of of winning the uh, of winning the NFC West aren't exactly you know out of out of the picture. As Arizona gets ready to hop to hop on a plane and fly to San Francisco to play the 49ers on uh, November the 7th. That will be their next game, their next day at the office. But hey, give Aaron Rodgers a ton of credit. Played absolutely, was absolutely fun. I mean, for what it was worth. Did he light up the stat sheet? And if he had him on his fantasy team, did he do, did he do you tremendous favors? No. But what he did, but what he did do is go out there and uh, and do what MVPs do, and that's put his team in the best position to win and uh, do what it takes to win to win these to win these kind of football games against playoff caliber opponents. So we give the Packers tremendous credit and the Cardinals. You just expected more, and I don't, and I do not have an issue with Kingsbury playing aggressive, playing for the win instead of going for the tie with kicking a field goal. Going against Aaron Rodgers, you know, he had a phenomenal drive when not even, when he had, you know, starting from your own one yard line. That ball, that AJ Green should have caught that ball. Cardinals should have scored a touchdown. Cardinals should have won the game. Have no issues with, and I typically I have a, I, I, you know, I find issues with a lot of, with a lot of decision making that Kingsbury does. Not, not in that, not in this instance. I have no problem with going for the touchdown in this situation. None. Now, now when it's Aaron, not when it's Aaron Rodgers on the, on the sideline, and I just, I, I, in the momentum of having that great drive, put the you came so far. Why, why settle short for a field goal to tie the game up and allow Aaron Rodgers? You know, to only have to get to about the 35, 40-yard line and set up Mason Crosby, put the ball in the end zone. Have no issues with that whatsoever. To wrap up the show with Week 8, preview and picks right after this. Peace up, A-Town. Welcome back 
to the M Telecatelius podcast. Switching gears on a week eight in the National Football League as far as the uh, after, as far as the Sunday games are concerned. Couple of games to keep an eye on. Again, like this week, like last week, the games aren't they're a little better, little, but not not by much. But the games aren't exactly great on paper. You know, the four games to keep an eye on if you know if you had to pick: Steelers, Browns, Titans, Colts, Bucks, Saints, Cowboys, Vikings. Three out of those four matchups are interdivi- are uh, divisional games between the AFC North, AFC South, and NFC South, and the Cowboys, Vikings being the uh, the decent. Decent Sunday night football game. Uh, Steelers and the Browns. Baker Mayfield will play and will give it a go. Steelers, uh, you know, Steelers coming off of their bye week. And, uh, of course, their last time out, they took care of business in overtime against the Seattle Seahawks. They right now are sitting record-wise at 3-3 three and three in the AFC North. If they want any chance and any hope of making a playoff run and making a playoff push, they got to avoid dropping three straight games in a row, ironically enough, in the year, even though that was for the 2020 season. But in the year 2021, avoid dropping three straight to Cleveland. They are, they are hobbling into this game. Uh, Baker Mayfield's going to play, try not to re-aggravate his shoulder. Uh, as Cleveland, you know, had to, you know, had to fight tooth and nail to uh, on the uh, on the account of of the ex of not of the uh, ex uh, AAF uh, running back against the Broncos last last Thursday is why they're sitting here at four and three. If you're Pittsburgh, you want to be still taken seriously as a as a uh, wild card contender in the AFC, you got to beat the hobbling Browns. If you can't beat the hobbling the hobbling injured to hell and back Cleveland Browns, I don't want to hear I don't want to hear any, anything more for you, uh, and I don't want to hear anything more from you. If you can't beat the four and three hobbling injured to hell and back underwhelming, underachieving to a certain degree. Cleveland Browns on Sunday, I, I can't take you seriously as a big-time contender in the AFC because if you can't beat Cleveland and you can't beat and you can't beat the Bengals, what chance do you have? You've yet to, you've yet to play Baltimore. And you've yet to play Baltimore. If you go and look at Pittsburgh's schedule, you've yet to play Baltimore. you still got to play Cincinnati one more time. you still got to play the Chargers. you still got to play Tennessee, and you still have to play Kansas City. If you can't beat the four and three Browns, I, I I got I got nothing for you, Pittsburgh. If you're Pittsburgh and you want me, the doubters, the haters, the naysayers to still take you seriously as an AFC playoff contender, beat Cleveland in Cleveland on 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 Sunday. You you did it at him for nine for I don't know how many years. There ain't no reason why ain't no reason why you can't you can't go out there and beat Cleveland again. And then start beating up, beating up on Cleveland again. You can't, you can't beat Cleveland. You're not making a playoffs. That's all there is to it. This is a make or break game for the Steelers, in my estimation. They don't win this game. You, you can forget about playoffs. Forget about it. Got to play Tennessee, the Chargers, Kansas City, and you got to play Baltimore twice. And you've already and you, and you lost to Cincinnati at home. Beat the Browns. Don't beat the Browns. Beat the Browns. TJ White take over the football game. Offense put the find a way to uh, score more than seventeen to twenty points. Beat the Browns. Okay, beat the Browns. From a Titans and Colts perspective, you know Titans. Titans essentially can't have to avoid that that inconsistent letdown that that they have been so, you know. 
I don't want to say used to, but something that they've made a little bit of a tradition. You know, they go out there and they beat the stuffing out of the out of the big time top dog opponents, and then they crawl up and then they crawl up into the fetal position and uh, have a and have a letdown game playing down to the competition against subpar talent. Uh, you know, beating you know beating the uh, getting beating the Bills and beating the Chiefs. And then the weeks prior to that game, losing to the Jets on the road. So, you know, in overtime for a perfect example. So if you're the Titans, keep the nose to the grindstone, feed Derrick Henry, and you, sh- you know, limit the mistakes and play a little defense, you should be okay. You should be okay. They are going up against a Indianapolis Colts team that has, you know, out coming, coming off of that uh, heartbreaking uh, collapse against the Ravens on that Monday night a few weeks ago. They've played solid football. They're two-and-a-half-point favorites, and they're currently sitting at three-and-fourth. Indianapolis wants a chance or wants to still consider themselves playoff contenders. That's a game the Colts have to have, especially at home. The Bucks and the Saints should be interesting. The Bucks have been, you know, outside, outside of their... Outside of their dominating loss on the road against the Rams, they have been clicking on all cylinders and haven't missed the beat for the most part um, in their 2021 season coming off of that Super Bowl championship. Brady is playing as great as he is. Shocker. You know, they had no Gronk, no problem. They haven't skipped a beat. Mike Evans and, and the crew are doing a phenomenal job. Um, no, it looks like no Antonio Brown. Uh, Arians is still up in the air about whether or not Gronk will play. Gronk has not played since that Ram game out there in Los Angeles at towards the, uh, I believe, at the beginning of the month of October. So he hasn't played in, in almost a month. Mark Ingram is now a New Orleans Saint again. The Saints traded for him earlier in the week. We'll see uh, if he will uh, enforce as well on the game, and we'll see if the Mark Ingram, uh, Alvin Kamara, ten will be an issue for the Bucks. Uh, will be an issue for the Bucks uh, on Sunday. Bucks uh, sw- uh, lost the se- lost the regular season series to the Saints last uh, last season. Lost in Week One of the 2020 season, and then lost on um, and then got blown out at home uh, by the Saints on a Sunday night. But you know all that goes for naught, and even though the Saints won the division, all that goes for naught because the Bucks walked into New Orleans in the divisional playoffs back in January and ended Drew Brees' career and ended the New Orleans Saints season. So keep an eye out on that game, and of course the Cowboys and the Vikings. You keep an eye out on that matchup because of the fact that for one, and I didn't even notice until I woke up this morning, uh, that uh, that Dak Prescott might not play. Might he is a chance that he could be out. He strained he strained his calf. I believe it was on the touchdown throw when which he strained his calf against uh, the Patriots a few weeks back. He had a bye week, an opportunity to rest it. Still up in the air if he's not able to go. It's Cooper Rush at, at starting quarterback for the Cowboys, and if it's Cooper Rush, all advantages go to the Minnesota Vikings, who have had a phenomenal offensive season to say the least. Kirk Cousins, you know, as much as I can't stand him, uh, he's had a phenomenal season. So if Dak Prescott, and if Dak Prescott is a go, we'll see how mobile he can be on that strained calf and if he can handle the Minnesota Viking pass rush. But uh, anyway, those are your storylines heading into week eight of the National Football League. Is that time again. 
week eight. Hard to believe it's week eight. It seems like it was only yesterday, you know, I was giving you my season predictions. It was week one, week two, week three, week four. Season was all nice, fresh and new. Now we're about damn way, damn way halfway, halfway through the 2021 season. Last NFL Sunday of the month of October. It's that time. Week eight picks in a league where they play for pay. Game number one, the Carolina Panthers going up against the Atlanta Falcons. Falcons took care of business via a game-winning Hungway Coup, game-winning field goal on the road against the Miami Dolphins to improve their 3-3 three and three on the season. They're three-point favorites taking on the Carolina Panthers who have hit the wall as of late. Started the season 3-0 and and they've nosedived losing four in a row their last, their last four games. Sam Donald turned back into a pumpkin against the Vikings. And the same goes when they went out to the Meadowlands to play the Giants. Give me the Atlanta Falcons to win this game by the final score of 28-17. to by Cincinnati Bengals heading to the heading up to Jersey to take on the New York Jets. Jets are one and five. You now they're as hapless as they come. No Zach Wilson in the game for the New York Jets. Bengals favored minus ten and a half. Bengals coming off of that emotional and a thrilling, shocking statement victory over the Jets, uh, or excuse me, over the Ravens on the road last week as they wrap up a uh, three-game road trip. Bengals fair minus and a half. Give me my Bengals to win the game by the final score of 35 to 14. The Miami Dolphins go up against the Buffalo Bills. Nobody circles the wagons like those Buffalo Bills coming off of the bye week. They lost, of course, their last time out in that Monday night game on the road against the Titans where Josh Allen was stuffed on the quarterback sneak. They're favored by two touchdowns going up against the one and six hapless Miami Dolphins. Give me the Buffalo Bills to win this game in a route by the final score of 31 to 17. And then, of course, you have the Chicago Bears going up against the San Francisco uh, 49ers. 49ers coming off of their Sunday night home loss against the Colts on Sunday, and Chicago coming off of their uh, absolute beatdown at the hands of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Sunday. Chicago's 3-4, and four, San Francisco's 2-4, and four, San Francisco favored by four points, giving the San Francisco 49ers to win this game by the final score of 21-17. Then you have the Pittsburgh Steelers going against the Cleveland Browns. Browns took care of business in their last timeout in week number seven on their Thursday night at home against the Denver Broncos to improve the 4-3 on the season. Pittsburgh's 3-3. Three three. Their last victory came in Week 6 against the uh, Seattle Seahawks at home on Sunday night in overtime. Cleveland's favorite, minus 3.5. Give me the Cleveland Browns to win this game by the final score of 20-17. to 17. The Philadelphia Eagles going up against the Detroit Lions, the winless Detroit Lions, uh, who lost their game last time out against the uh, Los Angeles Rams on the road. Eagles coming in at 2-5, and five, you know, a lost season for the Philadelphia Eagles. This will be the day that the Detroit Lions win their first game of the season. Write it down. Philadelphia's favorite minus three. Give me the Detroit Lions to win this game 24-21. The Tennessee Titans going up against the Indianapolis Colts. Titans are 5-2 coming off of their 
uh, win last week, their home win last week against the Kansas City Chiefs. Improved the five and two on the season. Indianapolis is favored minus two and a half, uh, which is shocking to my to my in my eyes, in my opinion. Indianapolis coming off of their Sunday night victory over the San Francisco 49ers at three and four. Giving the Tennessee Titans to win this game by the final score of twenty-eight to twenty-one. And then of course you have the Los Angeles Rams going up against the Houston Texans. The Rams are six and one on the season while the Houston Texans are one and six Rams favored minus 16 points they've had a phenomenal season the Texans are a team going nowhere and nowhere fast obviously a lost season give me the Los Angeles Rams to whoop not just beat but whoop the Texans by the final score of 41 to 13 and then of course you have the New England Patriots going up against the Los Angeles Chargers Chargers favorite minus four and a half. They're coming off of a bye week. Patriots coming off of an absolute uh, thrashing by destroying the Jets at home last week, getting their first uh, home win of the 2021 season. Chargers favorite minus four and a half. Give me the Chargers to win the game by the final score of 31 to 20. And then it's the Jacksonville Jaguars going up against the Seattle Seahawks. Seattle has nosedive, has not won a game since their game uh, against the uh, San Francisco 49ers. You know, they've just been in a complete rut without Russell Wilson. Geno Smith, obviously not the answer, not the ideal backup quarterback you'd want to have. Jacksonville trying to win their first game in the United States since week one of 2020. They are coming off of a bye week themselves. Give me the Seattle Seahawks win this game by the final score of 24 to 21. Favorite minus three and a half. Denver Broncos take going up against the Washington team. Denver has nosedived from their 3-0 start. Washington stinks. Uh, Denver favored by a field goal. Give me the Washington. Give me Washington to get off the schneid by winning this game by the final score of 24-17. Uh, the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers going up against the New Orleans Saints. Saints are four and two in favor minus four and a half. Won their uh, game last week on Monday Night Football against the Seattle Seahawks, uh, while Tampa beat the living hell out of the Bears. Give me the Bucks to win this game by the final score of twenty-eight to seventeen. Dallas Cowboys going up against the Minnesota Vikings. Vikings favored by a field goal. Dallas at five and one. Have not uh, no, have not looked back. Have won five games in a row since their Week One loss against the Bucks. Give me the Dallas Cowboys to win this game by the final score of twenty of twenty four to twenty one. And of course, you have the New York Football Giants on the road going against Kansas City Chiefs at Arrowhead. Kansas City's favorite minus nine and a half. Kansas City's three and four. Giants are two and five. Give me Kansas City to get back to 500 by beating the New York Football Giants by the final score of 28 to 21. And those are your Week Eight picks against the spread in the league where they play for pay. So you got your World Series this weekend. Game uh, what? Game three Friday night. Game three. Uh, game three Friday night, game four Saturday night, game five Sunday night. You got Cowboys Vikings Sunday night game if that fits your fancy. The three games to keep an eye on outside of the teams, outside of the games that you're betting on. If you have a favorite team, Steelers Browns, Titans Colts, Bucks Saints. 
uh, hockey, uh, NHL hockey, NBA basketball, uh, regular season, if that fits your fancy. Decent college weekend as well. Uh, Ohio State, Penn State, and you also got Michigan versus Michigan State. A decent college weekend for you in college football. It's your boy, Jai Shields. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the J Shield and the show on Instagram at Amatella underscore podcast and show on Twitter at Amatella underscore ATI is your boy Josh Shields. I will talk to you next week. Y'all stay safe. See ya.